How many of you have been in a trial in the last year? Well, I got an amen on that one. That may be my best amen all day. How many of you have been in a trial the last week? Okay, how many of you got saved thinking, well, now that I'm saved, my trials are over? And that lasted about one day, right? I'm going to talk to you today about three kinds of trials and God's promises attached to each of them. Now, before I get into it, let me say that in two weeks, next Sunday is Mother's Day. I hope you'll bring your mom and um, we'll have a great Mother's Day service and who knows, you might have a mother that needs to be saved like my mother. I led to Christ. She came to a service and I didn't even know she was there. Matter of fact, when I saw her in the altar, I forgot my mic was hot. I said, Mother, what are you doing here? And that's really the way it happened. Uh, and that wasn't on a Mother's Day, but I, she came to Christ in one of our services, so, and, and she's probably watching, so she knows I'm telling the truth. And she's a prayer warrior now. I mean, she's a prayer warrior. Um, but the Sunday after, I'm going to start a series on prayer. Now, let me ask you a, one quick question. How many of you wish your prayer life was stronger than it is? Amen? And that's, that's most of us. And based on that, I'm going to do a six-week series on prayer. It's going to be a life-changing, and here, I pray about this. No pun intended. I prayed about preaching on prayer and thought I should preach on prayer. And you need to know this about me. I don't preach on anything that hasn't first touched my heart. I, because I know if I'm not moved, I'm not going to move you. And, if, and I, I preach out of heartburn every time. That, that's just my heart's on fire today with what I'm going to share with you. I preach on what he puts on my heart. And I was praying about this, and I felt God say this. And I just want you to remember, in two weeks we start. God said, if they will hear and do what they hear, their prayer lives are going to be transformed. And you're going to pray on a level you never thought you could or would. Some of you are going to be launched into a ministry of red-hot intercession. We need intercessors in this church. And I, I'm praying that of this six-week series on prayer, that it's like an oven that just bakes prayers, that it just produces prayers. Because I'll tell you, it all begins and ends with prayer. So keep that in mind. And let's look at three kinds of trials now. One of my favorite top ten verses in the Bible is Isaiah 43, verse 2. And so we're going to read one verse, and it's such a good one, and you know this. I want you to read it out loud with me like you're preaching, because this, this verse preaches all on its own, and it's a marvelous promise. So are you ready? Let's read it together. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. What a great word. Father, we thank you for your word today and pray that you will bless it to our hearts. Lord, I know there are people here today who are hurting, who are bleeding, who are disappointed, who are discouraged, who are ensnared. 
some who feel on the keen edge of desperation, some who just need to be encouraged. And I pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit is released in this service by the power of the Word. You sent your Word and you heal them. Let the Word heal us today. Let it heal us today. Resurrect some, heal some, encourage some, guide some. Thank you for your Word penetrating the darkness and piercing our soul. Thank you for anointing me, Lord. I can't do this apart from you. I must have your anointing, Father. And I receive it. And say with me, we receive your word, Lord. Change me in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tell your neighbor, you're going to get through your trial. And you can be seated. Amen. Now, we have three kinds of trials that are mentioned in, these, in this one verse. Three kinds of trials. And let me just tell you what they are. Now, he uses illustration or metaphor to describe the trial. So here's the metaphors. Waters, rivers, fire. Waters, rivers, fire. And both of those metaphors or words illustrate a different kind of a trial. And really, they grow in intensity. Uh, this is an escalation of trials in this verse. Uh, waters, rivers, fire. And with every one of them, there is a promise attached. Something that God gives us that when we're going through a water, river, or fiery trial, he says, here's my promise to you. With the waters, he says, I'm going to give you my presence. With the water trials, I'll give you my presence. When you pass through the waters, I'm with you. With raging rivers, he promises boundaries for the trial. They will not overflow you. That's a boundary. That's the promise of a boundary. And then the fiery trial, he promises protection. You're going to go through fire, but you're not going to be burned. That's protection. It's not going to scorch you. You're not going to come out looking like you were in a fire, smelling like you were in a fire, dragging your feet like you were in a fire. No, no. You're going to go through it, but you're not going to be burned or scorched. So there you have it. Waters, his presence. Rivers, his boundaries. Fiery trial, his protection. Isn't that good? Now, Fire and water are used all the time in the Bible to describe calamities. Um, water because it overwhelms. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Fire because it consumes. So when the Bible writers are talking about going through a real calamity, they might say it was like raging rivers. It was like, it was like a, a water river kind of a trial. Or it was a fiery trial. And they use those illustrations all the time. Like David said in Psalm 66, 12, David used both of them. He said, we went through fire and we went through a flood. There's both. But you brought us out into a place of great abundance. Well, I like that last part. Now, I want to deal with each of these types of trials and with the promises attached to them because Truth be known, everybody in here is in some kind of a trial, and it's either a water, water's trial or a raging river's kind of trial, or you may even be in a fiery trial. And like I said, they escalate. 
They, they increase they, in, in severity. So let's talk about the first one, waters. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, what is a, the waters? What is a waters kind of a trial? Well, David talked about them. Let me read to you another one, Psalm 69.1. David said, the waters are come into my soul. So he's talking about going through some kind of a trial that reached into his soul and affected him. Psalms 124, he says, the waters have engulfed us or would have engulfed us. Now, let me tell you what a waters kind of trial is. It is when it's hard going. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's when you feel like you're just trudging through difficulties that are hindering, that are slowing you down, that seem to be resisting you. You know, we've all waded through a creek or through a, 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 a pool or a, the ocean or a river. We, we've waded through water. And we know this, that when you're wading through water, it's hard going. It takes twice as much energy to get half the distance. That's what he's talking about here. A waters kind of trial is uh, when you experience a tedious, laborious, energy-sapping. It, it's not something that's overwhelming, but it, it's, it's vexing in that you feel like you're being resisted every step of the way. Things are in your way. Things keep standing in your way, keep trying to slow you down. You know, I cycle. I, I love cycling, and I do it all the time. And, and, and I've noticed long ago that when you're cycling on a road bike like I have, you can pick up with two fingers, and it's carbon, and it's light. And you can go in, in good weather. You can go 30 miles an hour on a road bike. And I've noticed that I like going against the wind the first half because I love coming back with the wind at my back. And I don't want the wind at my back going because I want the hardest part first, and I want to come back with it at my back. But when, when the wind is coming against me, then I go half as fast, and it takes twice as much energy. But listen, church, it is that struggle that develops my muscles. And, and, and what God is saying is, here's a waters kind of trial. You're being slowed down. The wind is, is not at your back. It's against you. And, and so he says, he says, when you're passing through waters like that, twice the energy to get half the distance, you feel like you're taking one step forward, two steps back. Let, let me give you another illustration. Twice in the Bible, we find it said of Jesus that he, he turned to his disciples and he said, uh, get into the boat and let's cross over to the other side. Let's cross over to the other side. When you walk with Jesus, you're always involved in moving forward. He's always taking you from A to B. He doesn't leave you in A for very long. He leaves you in A long enough to rest and get your breath and get built up in the Word, and then you will hear the words, let's cross over to the other side. Let, let's, let's, let's take a journey. Let's, let's learn some things. And twice he said to the disciples, get into that boat and let's cross over to the other side. Now, in, in one of them, Jesus got in the boat with them. In the other one, Jesus went up into a mountain and he said, you get into the boat and you cross over and, and I'll meet you. Now, 
it's that one that I want to talk to you about today because the Bible says that when they got into that boat and they took off on their own, Jesus in the mountain praying, and let it be noted, Jesus was always praying. He was in the mountain all night long praying. But, but around 3 in the morning, it says that Jesus looked out from the mountain and he saw his disciples. And let me read to you what it says he saw. He saw that they were in serious trouble. Everybody say it with me, he knows when I'm in trouble. He saw that they were in serious trouble. And what was the trouble? What was, what was the, the, the problem they had? It says they were rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. Rowing hard and struggling. Rowing hard and struggling because the wind was against them. This illustrates perfectly the passing through the waters kind of trial. Here they were, smack in the middle of God's will. They weren't in this boat because it was their idea. They were in the boat because Jesus said, get in the boat. So that tells me just because Jesus says, get in that boat and go, doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing. Some of you, you thought, well, because I'm in the middle of God's will, all my struggles are over. Oh, can I tell you, some of your struggles have just begun. Because, look, Jesus said, get in the boat. I'll see you on the other side. They got in the boat right in the middle, in the epicenter of God's will for them. They start heading across the lake, and halfway across, suddenly a wind is blowing against them. Do you think Jesus knew that wind was coming? Jesus didn't sit on the mountain and say, wow, I didn't see that coming. Oh, no. He knew that it was coming, and he watched them, and, get, and he knew they were struggling for quite some time. But here's what he was after. I want my disciples to learn endurance. I want them to learn perseverance. I want to get the quit out of them. I want to get them to the place that even though it's hard going, even though it's a battle, even though it's a struggle, they don't put up the white flag and quit, but they learn perseverance. They learn endurance. They learn to stay with it. They don't quit. They don't give up. They don't pick up their marbles and go home and say, nobody told me church was going to be like that. They don't do that. No, I want my disciples to learn endurance. I want them to be tough. I tell you what, church, our nation is dying for Christians with a spine. I'm so weary of hearing about Christians and churches giving up and caving in to a godless culture. God is looking for people who say, you know what, I don't care what comes at me. He told me to get in this boat. He told me to row, so I'm going to row, row, row my boat, and I'm not going to stop. This is the kind of trial that tests and develops your endurance. And during this kind of trial, you're getting up every day. Here's what it's like. You're getting up every day and saying, wow, you know what? I don't really feel a whole lot. I'm not, I'm not just burning up with zeal. This has been a struggle. The wind's been against me for a while. I got to put one foot in front of the other. The wind is not at your back. You're having to fight for every inch of ground you take. You say, didn't Jesus tell me to get into this boat and head this direction? Then why am I experiencing this resistance? Because he wants you to have endurance. Romans 5, verse 4, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, the waters kind of trials. 
knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, meaning it helps us to learn to not give up, not be a quitter. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And it goes on to say, and hope makes not a shame, for God has poured out in my heart his love by the power of the Holy Ghost. When you put your hope in God, you will never end up saying, boy, I wish I hadn't done that. It will never leave you high and dry and disappointed because God sees your struggle and he's working in you the fullness of the stature of Christ. Now, here's the promise. He says, in this kind of trial, I promise you, I will be with you. I will give you my presence. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, go back to the story of the disciples. Here they are, straining at their rowing. Their arms are aching. Their legs are tired. Their eyes are burning. They haven't had sleep. Suddenly, one of them sees something coming towards them on the water. And, oh, oh, because it's a human being walking to them. But how can it be? Because it's a human being walking on the water. And they thought it was a ghost. The Greek is phantasm, a, a spirit. And they cried out, and Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm here to give my presence to you. I see your struggle. Now, look what they did. He didn't shout to them and say, hey, keep on rowing. I'm with you. No, but here's what it says. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. Jesus didn't just look at them struggling. He got into their problem with them. He got into their struggle with them. He got into their boat with them. When you're in a struggle like a waters kind of trial, the best thing you can do is, is say, Jesus, if there's anything in my life blocking you, I repent because I need you in my boat right now more than any other time. And listen, when he gets in your boat, then he's the one who's got the power to bring the wind that is resisting you to a halt. When he went up into the boat to them, the wind ceased. Their problem was solved. Their resistance was defeated by Jesus being in the boat. Don't you love these stories? Don't they just speak? I love these Bible stories. Just like Jesus did with the disciples, when it's a water's kind of a trial, more times than not, he doesn't deliver you out of it. He walks through it with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because he wants us to, in, to learn to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, I say to people, I say, God wants you to have a skin like a rhinoceros hide and a soft heart. We've got to be tough in these days of growing persecution, church. We can't be afraid of every little thing that comes against us. We need to be people who have been toughened and strengthened by enduring hardship. So everybody say with me, his presence is my promise in a water's trial. Now, there's a second kind of trial, and he called it the raging rivers. He said, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And again, David describes this raging river kind of a trial. He says in Psalms 124.4, a torrent would have overwhelmed us. The raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Now, I believe this kind of trial is spoken of metaphorically as a raging river because it's an overwhelming kind of a trial. See, if I'm going through where I'm just being resisted 
and I just need God's presence, and I need His strength, and I'm leaning on Him. Uh, that's a tough trial, but that's not for me an overwhelming trial. An overwhelming trial is when several trials of a variety of kinds strike me all at once. When it seems like a trial comes from my right, and then another one comes from my left, and then one is coming at me, and then one is sneaking up behind me, and, and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by trials so that I feel overwhelmed. Some of you know exactly what that's like. You lose your job. You go home. You drive home having lost your job, and on the way home you get a flat tire. You pull out your flat, fix a flat stuff, you blow it up, get home, you're run away. Your, your child, teenager, has run away from home. You get in your car to go find him, and another tire is flat. And it seems to you that nothing is going right and everything is going wrong. This kind of trial is what happened in their second crossing. Because in Mark 4.35 says on the same day, here's another time Jesus said, get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. He got in the boat with them. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And look what happened in verse 37. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. This is the second kind of trial, the overwhelming trial. I can handle the tedium but this overwhelming kind of trial is not only difficult, it's scary. You know what the disciples did. They cried out, and they doubted his care. They didn't trust him. They said, Jesus, wake up, because he was asleep during their trial. You ever feel like Jesus was asleep in your trial? Have you ever looked up and said, where are you? What are you doing? How come you're not helping me? He, he, he was asleep in the helm of the boat. He wasn't in the least bit concerned about the storm. And they said, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus stood up. I picture him, oh, this is what's bugging you. And then Jesus, stop. You're blowing. Stop waves. You're rolling. And then I believe their eyes were like 50-cent pieces because all of a sudden the wind stopped and the waves calmed and they're on a placid sea and they asked the million-dollar question, who is this man? Who is this man? And I believe that storm was custom designed to get them to ask the right question because it was a rhetorical question. There was only one answer for it. Who is this man that even the winds and the sea obey him? He can't be a normal man. He can't be just any man. Only one kind of man can talk to nature and have it obey what he says. And that man has got to be the God-man and the, the, the Son of God. It's got to be God wrapped in flesh. Only God can tell nature to stop and nature obeys. And so they learn in the storm who it was. They were really following. Rivers kind of trials that seem like they're going to overwhelm you, God allows them so that you will learn who it is you're following. 
because who it is you're following can speak to that wind and speak to those waters and tell them both to cease. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. He walks on top of what is vexing you. He walks on top of your problem. He gives you the victory over what has vexed you and, and, and leads you in triumph always. The, the, the rivers kind of trials... Jacob responded this way when he was going through one. So many things have been going through wrong. He said, all these things are against me. Job said, the terrors of God are marshaled against me. That's the voice and the statement of somebody going through a river's kind of trial. The great preacher C.H. Spurgeon talked about this kind of trial. He said, quote, accumulated distresses increase, increase each other's weight. They play into each other's hands and like bands of robbers ruthlessly destroy our comfort. The river's kind of trials. And you know what? It can be more than your circumstances, but you can have a river's kind of trials in your own soul. Nobody sees it but you. Nobody knows it but you because temptations can suddenly flood you from the enemy out of nowhere, and you can feel overwhelmed by the temptations of the flesh. Isaiah the prophet talked about when the enemy comes in like a flood. That's the river's kind of trials. When the enemy comes in like a flood... The Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. You know what that's telling us? God will give it boundaries. Now, that's my word today. I want you to understand. Though you may be going through an overwhelming trial, look at what he says right here. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise a standard against him. That means he will give that thing a boundary. He will say to your trial, this far and no further. I've got my hand on the dial. I've already told the oceans of the, of, of the world, the seas and the oceans, your waves can go thus far, but your waves can go no further. I put a limit and boundaries on the ocean, and I put a limit and boundaries on your trial. I say to your trials, this far and no further. That's why he says, they shall not overflow you. Boy, I love that. Let's try it together, personalize it. Say with me, they shall not overflow me. Because God puts boundaries on it. They won't let, he won't let your trials overflow you so that your faith fails. He will not let your trials overflow you that they separate you from the love of God or destroy you. Can I encourage you a little bit today? Let me just share the word with you today. Listen to Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Not, not floods. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yea, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, that means he's saying, I'm convinced by God that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities nor powers, that means no satanic demon, no satanic attack, no satanic assignment. Shall be able to separate you, not death or life, things present, things to come, not height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I will not let your trials overflow you. I will not let them engulf you. I will not let them drown you. And we can add an overflowing, overwhelming flood of trials 
cannot separate us from the love of God, be they internal or external. Though they come near you and upon you and may greatly affect and distress you, yet they shall not hurt you, but will be made to work for your advantage. For God is with you to sympathize with you, to comfort and revive you, to teach you and instruct you through your afflictions. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he works it together for your good. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his promise. He's there to support you and bear you up under them and deliver you out of them. He will not leave you in them. When everyone else walks out, he walks in. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. So we have tedious waters kind of trials and the raging river overwhelming kind of trial. And the last one is the worst one. It is. It's the fiery trial. Because waters threaten to overwhelm, but fiery trials threaten to consume. You get it? It's different. This is the most severe type of trial. Peter wrote concerning this kind of trial, Dear friends, don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through the fiery trials ahead, for this is no strange, unusual thing that is going to happen to you. Peter, that's a bad confession. You shouldn't tell me that's going to happen to me. Well, he just did. Now, earlier on, he tells us the value of a fire trial. He says in chapter 1, verse 7, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So get this, when we go through a fiery kind of trial that threatens literally to consume us and destroy us and take us off the map, he says that fiery trial is going to try your faith like gold and silver is tried and refined and purified in the smelter's fire. Now let me tell you what a goldsmith does. A goldsmith will take a, a gold brick, and he will slide it into a raging hot oven. That gold brick looks as pure and beautiful and pristine as it possibly could, but when it gets into that fire, it melts. And as it melts, dark impurities that you never knew were there rise to the top. And he's got a little skimmer, and he puts that skimmer in there, and he skims those impurities off the top that you did not know were there had it not gone through fire. And then he pulls that gold brick back out and lets it cool And it has now become purified, perfect, clean gold. And that's the idea. When you go through a fiery trial, you will see that things come up out of you you did not know were there. Your spouse didn't know they were there. Your kids didn't know they were there. But God knew they were there, and they come up to the top, and God's Holy Ghost is right there with a skimmer. God told Israel, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. In Deuteronomy 4.20, Moses tells the people, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace. Now, here's the promise attached. And I love this promise. This is powerful. Here's the promise attached when you go through a fiery trial. He says, I'm going to give you supernatural protection. Listen to what it promises. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. I'm going to read that again. 
when you walk through fire, you will not be burned. Well, how can that be, Lord? That's impossible. That defies physics. Not if I'm with you. I'm going to be with you with divine, supernatural protection. The fire will not destroy you. When you go through a fiery trial, it won't incinerate you, and you won't combust. Now, follow me, church. It gets better because he promises further that you're not going to lose anything in the fiery trial but what needed to go in the first place. The only thing you're going to lose is what needed to go in the first place. The fiery trial is going to do you a favor because that's what happens when that gold passes through the fire. The hidden impurities rise to the top. They're skimmed off by the smelter. Listen, the wading through water kind of trial tests your endurance. The overwhelming storm kind of trial tests your trust. But the fiery kind of trial tests your faith and burns out of your life things that need to go anyway. And i got to think of the three Hebrew children. The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked king, built a statue to himself. He told the three Hebrew children and the whole nation of Babylon, when the trumpets blow, you've got to bow down and you've got to worship my statue, the image of me. You can't worship your God, Hebrew children. You've got to worship me. It was a testing time, a defining moment in their walk with God and their commitment to God. Do I bow to this idol? Do I give in? Do I cave in to a wicked culture? Or do I take my stand, let the chips fall? They said to the king, O king, our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if we go into that fire and are incinerated, Know, O king, that we will not bow down and worship you. And it says he tied their hands and tied their feet. And I want you to listen how it describes. The Bible says they fell down bound. Everybody say with me, fell down bound. Into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. How'd they go down? Bound. What was their condition? Bound. But when Nebuchadnezzar walks up and he looks down in there a while later, he sees not three but four, and they're walking around in the midst of the fire. And even that pagan king said, that one looks like the Son of God, that fourth one. Now look what happened. It says, he says, look, I see four men loose. How'd they go down? How'd they come out? Oh, we can do that one more time. How'd they go down? How'd they come out? How will you go down? How will you come out? That's the way it works. And I love it says, he also noted, they're not hurt. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. They weren't even touched by the flame, but the ropes that had bound them were burned off, and that's the only thing they lost was what had bound them. And how is it that we go through a fiery ordeal? And if we just stay in the Word and stay in prayer and trust our Savior, we come out on the other side, loosed, freer than before we went in. We come out more powerful, with greater anointing, with greater faith, with greater persuasiveness, with a stronger ministry, with more spiritual fruit. 
And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed. What? They were in a barbecue. And even their hair wasn't singed. Their garments weren't burned. They didn't even smell like fire. Three kinds of trials, three promises. You in a trial today? Can we stand together? And please don't leave because we're going to have a very important time of prayer. Please just let's respect God's presence here. And I want you to say with me, God promises His presence in tedious trials, His boundaries in overwhelming trials, His protection in fiery trials. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now. Somebody in here is in a waters kind of trial, tedium. You're weary. His presence is with you. He's strengthening your endurance. Some of you are in an overwhelming, raging rivers kind of trial. Trust the Word of God. He's put boundaries on that. Some of you are in a really fiery trial. Threatens to consume you. It's relationships. It's money. It's a fiery temptation. You feel like you're one step away from a major mistake. Listen. God has you here to hear this. And I'm knowing in my spirit right now, I'm speaking to somebody who's on the verge of giving in to a temptation. Don't do it. This is a major thing. Satan has not shown you his hand. If you, if you go forward, you're going to have years of regret. Reach up right now. He's with you. He's placed boundaries on that. There is a door-marked exit. Run for it and open it and flee. He's with you with boundaries. And in the fiery trial, he's with you, friend, right now. He's protecting you. You don't see it, but he's protecting you. He's protecting you. Now I want to pray with people. And say, you know, Jeff, I used to be just so on fire for God. But various things came down in my life and things happened and distractions came along and I've drifted. You know, God loves you so much. And I'm not here to condemn you or judge you. That's the last thing I want to do. But here's what Jesus says. Come home. Come back into the center of my will. Don't. Remain in your drifting. You wake up one day and you'll drift it too far. Stop it now. And come back. The porch light is still on in God's house. And some of you have a question mark about whether you've ever been saved. Have I been saved? If you've got that question mark, 
You need to settle it today. He's as close as a prayer. Jesus is as close as a prayer. And you have the faith to pray. So I'm going to pray two prayers, and I want you to pray these with me if it fits. First, if you've drifted, to say with me, Jesus, forgive me. I want to walk with you. I want to pick up that baton of discipleship again. Lord, forgive me and take me back and lead me back into the epicenter of your will for me. Where you are number one. And if you've got that question mark, pray with me about your salvation. You do it. God's given you the faith to do it right now. Do it right now. Don't put it off another day. Say with me, Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sin. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me my sinful ways. And Lord Jesus, I place faith in you as my Savior. Come into my heart today. In Jesus' name.